What up, Anchor? This is Made From Scratch, and today what I'm going to do is, uh, for this episode, I'm going to be responding to a couple of call-ins that I had. Some folks had some uh, some good comments, a couple of questions, and uh, mostly I'm going to address those. So uh, the topics include um, some stuff about SEO and networking, so um, really about getting your yourself and your company found by any means necessary. Another one's about doing your homework when it comes to headline reading and understanding the full context of news stories and information and also touching on the problem of democratizing everything. And then the last section of this episode is going to be talking about passive income um, to fund your company and what that might mean and, and why that may or may not be a good idea. So those topics interest you, stay tuned and uh, feel free to call in with any more questions. I love doing this. I think it's an awesome way to uh, structure the show. So without further ado, here we go. What's up, Made From Scratch? This is Kelvin from the Scaling Up podcast. Uh, I just wanted to say that was a fantastic episode. And the fact that you were talking about a lot of local SEO stuff, I am, you know, I know quite a bit about SEO myself. I'm a content marketer for, for software businesses and in the online services space. But nonetheless, I thought it was still super valuable. And one thing that I've noticed personally is that when you're working remotely and you've got, you know, your whole team is distributed across uh, wherever, then, you know, you still have to up your game, right? And that involves a lot of local networking because even though you are not, um, you're not directly selling locally or, but you could obviously, um, there's still importance in just going to networking events and just raising the level of yourself at the end of the day. So that was great. Thanks. Thank you so much, Kelvin, for calling in. I first want to say thank you. I really appreciate that and uh, appreciate the the props and the respect. And um, definitely hit me up, man. My uh, my website is in my profile, so uh, hit me up. We should definitely get up about content marketing and SEO. And I wanted to touch on something you, you mentioned about working remote um, because you know that's the world that we live in, and uh, you know our business has vendors and partners all over the world doing all kinds of things, VFX and editing and SEO, writers, you know, graphics, whatever, um, all over the place. And so what's really cool about that is um, it opens you up to a lot of different people, a lot of different ideas. And um, what, what we're still developing is um, the kind of technology that enables us to link people together. So using Slack groups, that kind of thing. And um, you know, it's funny, you were talking about the importance of still just being in your local market, uh, which is you know, part of the, the, the uh, topic of local SEO or being found locally is really the point. That was really the point I was trying to make. It's not about search engine optimization or any one tactic. It's about making a presence known for yourself in your local market. And when you work remote and you work with people who are all over the place, you, you sort of spread yourself thin in, in a sense of where your footprint is. And, you know, there's, there's benefits to that, but there's also a downside, which is that you don't have a strong physical presence eventually unless you start to consolidate some of your resources in the local market. Um, and you also said something about selling in the local market. And I mean, that I've found is incredibly important. You know, there's, there's a lot of media companies, ad agencies, uh, marketing firms that, that when you get to a certain size, you kind of have to open up an office in a place where you've got a lot of business. You know, there are certain projects, 
certain types of people that just really, really require or enjoy a face-to-face -face meeting. And if you don't have the capability of sitting down um, in front of somebody, I mean, yeah, there's video conferencing, VR eventually will let you uh, do things like that, but there will always be a value to the physical presence, um, being with people, especially when you're trying to sell things, especially if what you're trying to sell is more abstract or um, difficult to word. You know, you might not need to meet with a customer if you're selling light bulbs or furniture or whatever. Um, books, you know, can always deliver those. Even drones will be able to deliver those soon. Um, but if you're selling things on a more personal level, face-to-face, -face, things like architecture, construction, you know, these are things that still require a face-to-face meeting and there's nothing better than being able to shake somebody's hand, look them in the eyes, smile, you know, laugh and, and be together. So again, Calvin, thank you so much for calling in. Totally dig what you're up to. Hit me up. Look forward to meeting, meeting with you or talking with you later. Made from scratch, this is Joe Lemon from the Sales Talk Radio Show. Man, you are bringing up some solid points, man. And I just got to tell you, you know, headline reading has gotten so many people into a lot of trouble. I totally agree with that. I mean, with your perspective of the fact that there's no reason to comment if you haven't read the actual documents. If you haven't done a little bit of homework, even if you haven't skimmed at least the actual 13 pages because you didn't want to digest that for a whole uh, 15 to 20 minutes. You know, I mean, so... If you don't know what's going on, we really shouldn't comment. With that said, I have not read it. So therefore, I don't have, I don't have a strong opinion about it, but I can totally say the fact that, you know, um, you know, headline reading gets people in trouble and going too deep into a subject or defending a subject as if, you know, you have all the details and the, and the intricate understandings of what it's about is just wrong, man. So appreciate that thought. Joe, thank you so much for calling in. I wanted to touch on a couple of the points that you made and expand on it a little bit. So the first part was about um, reading headlines, people being lazy with that, and the idea of doing your homework, at least skimming the information before you know people comment on stuff. And so first thing I want to say is about the headline uh, issue. So you know you can read a headline and get a sense of what the story is that you're going to read underneath it and that doesn't tell you whether or not it's true it doesn't tell you whether or not the writer did their diligence and unfortunately in this day and age it's difficult to know who and where and what is a trusted news source um, it seems like every major publication has the same challenge of putting out so much content every single day um, that fact-checking or multiple source citing or you know just doing diligence seems to be uh, really difficult and when you're reporting on the facts of something it's different than if you're you're stating your opinion about something so like I read the Google guys uh, quote manifesto and I wrote an article about it on medium and mostly what I wrote about was how uh, people blew it out of proportion and how there really needs to be some more conservative voices in technology because it's an entirely biased, uh, one-sided majority, uh, politically and psychologically speaking. So, you know, um, that's my opinion. And, you know, I could, I could cite uh, data, I could cite facts, but it was just my reaction to the situation. People can refute it, that's fine. Um, but, you know, I'm not saying that he said things he didn't say. 
I'm not, um, you know, arguing things out of thin air. And I think that happens when people simply read a headline. And especially with with the whole clickbait, um, you know, notion, people are, are writing incendiary titles because if, if they don't write one, someone else will. So, you know, if you don't call this Google guy a anti-diversity uh, misogynist uh, and everyone else is, your article um, which is which could be called guy from Google states plain basic facts about company culture and gets fired. You know, that's not really all that exciting. So um, I think that's a problem. And that the thing that we can do is that when you read a headline, don't read it for understanding what actually is happening. Read it to understand how the opinion of the writer is shaped. And then if you want, read the article. And if not, you know, you understand what's going on there. So, you know, to touch on a little bit more about what I'm calling content overload is also that we're just flooded. You know, the news outlets have to put out content all the time. And that means that we consume so freaking much of it that it's really difficult. Um, You know, nothing gets priority. You know, I mean, algorithms will help try and give you more of what they think you want which means that you also get less and less diverse content that, that contradicts or conflicts with your viewpoint. Um, so it's difficult to, you know, unless you do stuff like I do, which is I read stuff from everywhere. So every algorithm is feeding me what it thinks I want and it gets me more of it. So I'll read Breitbart, I'll read CNBC, I'll read the BBC, um, you know, just to get the opinion of all these different people and places and also understand how different types of people think about issues So I'll look at the radicals on the far left, on the far right. Um, I'll read stuff from people who are completely ignorant on subjects and people who are PhDs on it just because um, I want a diverse uh, data set to make my opinion um, based on that. So that's important. And I think that that goes to what I call the problem of democratizing everything. You hear a lot of tech companies talk about that. um, And everybody thinks that what they want is for everybody to have an equal voice with things like the media. The problem with that is a lot of people, the majority of people are ill-informed, ignorant, lazy, and don't actually do the work to know what they're talking about on issues. So not everyone's voice should be respected in the same way. Now, I don't have an answer for this. I don't know how you solve this problem because it's like the toothpaste is out of the tube already. So I don't know how, um, how to get back to a place where People who are actually more knowledgeable on a subject get higher priority, um, you know, in in these sort of news feeds. But it's a very interesting problem. You have to at least skim articles before you comment on it. And uh, I really appreciate the call in, uh, Joe. So feel free to call in more. Keep listening. Hey, I'm Ava Wetrick, and I have a burning question for you. How or what is a good way to build a passive income to fund your company like uh, you're starting out and you need you need money to start that company how would you go about doing that hey Ava thank you so much for your call in I'm gonna do my best to answer your question which as I understand it is how or what to do to create passive income to fund your new company is uh, is what you're asking for so it sounds a little bit like maybe you've recently read the four-hour work week from by Tim Ferriss he talks a lot about this and was sort of a pioneer in it but it's definitely uh, especially for digital marketers and other businesses that involve software sales a big um, thing that people are trying to accomplish is being able to basically generate money uh, while you're sleeping um, 
And I just want to preface this by saying that my business is not predicated on passive income. So it's not something that I've built myself. Um, I do know uh, quite a bit about it. And I think that there's really more um, questions to ask yourself prior to charging down that kind of path. So um, it depends a little bit on the industry you're in and where you want to go, what your skill set is and what resources you have. So, um, like I said, from what I understand and what I've seen, most of the passive income related businesses that are thriving right now are software sales related. So, um, let's say that you have a new piece of technology that all small businesses who run a restaurant really need, you know, some kind of uh, customer um, management system or some kind of POS or something like that. And if you've got something like that, then it's, you know, great. That's your, that's the resource you've got. And if you've got a skill set to um, distribute content about that piece of technology, you can probably do pretty well for yourself. Now, I, I am going to say that um, there's no quick fix. There's no overnight sensation with this kind of thing. It requires momentum, which means that you're going to have to bang your head against the wall for quite a bit of time before you see any results. The other thing is that when people talk about building a passive income, they often talk about it in the same kind of terms you hear multi-level marketing uh, people talk about it. So like, hey, if you can only, if you can get a um, hundred people to subscribe to your software for $50 a month, you can make blah, 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 blah. You know, yeah, that's, that's true. Um, but here's the other thing that people don't realize is that generating the passive income is great. Keeping it is difficult and maintaining it can be completely onerous. So just think about having a hundred accounts. All right. I used to be a product sales rep and I had over a hundred accounts that I had to service and it's tiring. I mean, it takes a lot. You have some people who they'll never call you. They, they fix the problem themselves. They're just licensing the thing from you or buying the thing from you. You never have to hear from them and it's great. Other people need their handheld. And if you've got 25 people who are only paying you $50 a month and they've got a tech problem every, every day, um, you're going to get bogged down a lot and that passive income is going to become um, pretty painful for you. So I think the real question is to first ask yourself, so you're, you're looking to start a new company. You're talking about funding a new company. So first of all, I think that passive income is not uh, a way to fund a new company. I think that it would at best be a specific revenue stream of a company, but I don't think that you'll ever be able to generate enough um, starting out, just starting out uh, to be able to fund a whole company. And I think you're going to find yourself more frustrated than you'd like. Um, but the real question is, what do you want, right? So, you know, you want financial freedom, it sounds like, um, but don't, don't start a company because you want passive income. I think you want to start with what you really want to contribute to the world and then see if software sales or some other kind of business that generates passive income would solve the problem. Um, because I think when I see entrepreneurs start businesses because they want to um, accomplish some sort of business related end, it's, it's just doesn't usually work out as well as someone who's like, you know, if you've worked in the restaurant industry for 20 years and you realize that if only they changed this one thing, they would all work better um, with a piece of software, that's awesome, great. And you can build a, a business out of that and you'll generate passive income and it'll be phenomenal. Um, but I think you really need to start with what you actually want, not with that 
that sort of um, finite end result, um, even though it's very attractive and seductive to think that you could uh, work for like three or four months to build something up and then you know make 50 grand a year doing nothing. It's just unrealistic overall. So um, passive income, not the worst thing in the world. I think it's just a little bit more alluring and a little bit less realistic um, if you're just starting out and looking to build a business. If you're just starting out and looking to build a business, I think you gotta stick to what your skill set is and try and leverage that. Um, but thank you so much, Ava. Feel free to call in again. Hope you're happy. Kelvin, Joe, Ava, thank you all so much for calling in. I really appreciate you listening and participating in the conversation, really adding a lot, giving me inspiration, fueling the fire, um, really digging that. Hopefully other people out there listening enjoyed it, got value out of this. If you did, feel free to call in. I think you can now text into this kind of thing. Um, hit me up. My website is in my profile. You can email um, me and my partner uh, through our contact form there. And uh, just hope you guys are enjoying uh, Made From Scratch. My name is Matt Berman from Make a Difference Entertainment. This has been Made From Scratch. Hope you enjoyed it. Call in. Talk to you soon.